0: To the MicroBinFeed podcast. Here we'll, we will be discussing topics in microbial bioinformatics. We hope that we can give you some insights, tips, and tricks along the way. There's so much information we all know from working in the field, but nobody really writes it down. There's no manual, and it is assumed you'll pick it up. We hope to fill in a few of these gaps. My co hosts are Dr. Nobel Ali Khan of Enterobase, Grape Tree, and Break Fame, and Dr. Andrew Page of such works as Plasmatron 5000, Rory, and Gubbins. I am Dr. Lee Katz, and you might know me from my Tree-Making Pipeline Mastery or my SNP Pipeline Live Set. Both Nabil and Andrew work at the Quadrum Institute in Norwich, UK, where we work on microbes in food and the impact on human health. I work at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and am an adjunct professor at the University of Georgia in the US. Let's begin the great podcast experiment. Nabil, do you remember how we were discussing why I think shuffled SASQ files are better?
1: Yes, I do remember. And uh, I... I... Disagree I disagree. I think the I've like my fastq file separated out It makes my analysis so much easier.
0: I like it because you just have like one file per genome, but everyone criticizes me because as soon as you run it through some pipeline like or, or any software like spades, it just splits it anyway. So I'm actually I actually don't like how how it how everyone keeps it split, but I know that it comes off that way from the sequencer.
1: Well, I think we've got to actually hang on, we've got to step back a bit because we haven't explained what a fastq file is. Maybe there is a single bioinformatician out there who doesn't know. So Lee, what is a fastq file?
0: FastQ file is a file that contains the DNA sequence and the quality string for every single read of a WGS um, read set. I probably did not explain that very well.
1: Yeah, so well I I'd say it's a it's a glorified text file that has the nucleotides that came off the machine, and the and the confidence the machine has when they called it.
0: That's really well
1: said, thank you. <laughs> and it's our bread and butter, isn't it? I mean, I'm working with them every every day. That's how we transfer data. And actually, I think now that's more or less the primary data we store. If anyone ever asks us how we did our analysis, that's what we go back to. And it's amazing to think that it's such an ad hoc sort of file format, really, with such humble beginnings. <laughs>
0: So this isn't really like the first format, is it? is it? Like there are other kind of failed formats.
1: What was the, what some of the first ones? There were prop- yeah, there were proprietary formats like uh, SFS for things like um, 454 data would come in SFS, but that was encoding the actual flows of the machine. But then that wasn't for every every technology.
0: No, I don't, I guess not. So I mean, after doing 454, after after doing that, I started coming across the Illumina files, fastq files, and It totally made sense to me. It was a lot easier to work with. Uh, Moving on to Ion Torrent, they gave you the option of either SFF or FastQ, and I think everyone basically stuck with FastQ files. I really haven't seen an SFF in the wild for the last five or 10 years.
1: Yeah, so this is like the gold standard, but we'll have to explain how the base encoding works, but there was a time where you weren't sure what type of FastQ file you were dealing with if you weren't careful. But for some reason, someone decided they would start the... The base qualities were encoded as ASCII characters. Do you know why that is? They no, I actually didn't know why. Probably easier to encode it uh, than just having these long strings of integers. Because I've seen people write it out as straight sets of numbers and it, it looks terrible.
0: Yeah, I agree. I've seen that too. I've seen people, um, they still, I still have seen as as late as last year, somebody had a script to encode it back and forth. and. I guess it makes sense if you're not used to it. But I feel like I've been staring at them for so long. It's been I've been like a character
1: in the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. So what? So if you were looking at a string, what would be, what would tell you it's a good read? What kind of what kind of characters would you be looking for?
0: I really like how if it's low quality, it gives you a bunch of pound signs and and exclamation points. So it looks like it's cussing at you that it's so bad. But then if it's like really good, it's it,
1: it's like the letters A through I, and it's like I. I'm really good. Yeah, but but you know, good. I don't know if you know, but that only applies to Fred 64 encoding where they started the uh, offset. So Fred Fred score zero is is actually 64. That's the only time it'll happen because if it's 33 it'll start with um, different characters.
0: Right. So, so I can't remember actually what Sanger encoding started with, but I know it's offset by 33 and I don't even know why they switched it over.
1: Yeah, so Fred 33 starts yeah, SangerFresh33 starts with all of your special characters, then integers, and 64 actually starts with the capital with uh, the at symbol and then capital A. Okay, okay. So if it was really, really old, if it was 64 data, like like five or ten years, you wouldn't see your curse letters and you wouldn't be able to tell. You'd see the capital letters and think everything's <laughs> fine. <laughs> That's
0: right. <laughs> yeah, we but-
1: Yeah, we don't have to worry about that anymore, because I think unless it is very very old sequencing data which you should probably just repeat if you're still dealing with it it's going to be all base30. it's going to be all thread 33 now
0: yeah and we've even kind of gone on from fastq to to making other enhanced formats like we use bam all the time which is um sequence alignment format and it describes it's more than just raw reads right it describes where um reads are mapping against a reference genome but Do you like, use the CRAM format? I've never actually used that before, but people are like raving about that.
1: People like it a lot. I think if you go the full hog with it, you can get it to a tenth of what of the original file size, which I think is probably the best compression ratio you're going to find. But then okay. it, yeah, but it always comes back to the problem that you have to then give it to someone else, and then they have to figure out how to work with this file. And so you always wind up coming back to FastQ because that's just what everyone knows.
0: Yeah, so we just always use um, just use fastq files, and and I feel like the only wiggle room we have is just to compress it with a dash one to dash nine, de- depending on how you feel that day, so that it still fits in your pipeline. I I used to experiment a little bit also with sorting the fastq file to to see if you can achieve a better compression. Have you ever done that?
1: No, I know the um, Brian Bushnell of the bbmap fame uh, wrote one tool called I think it's clumpify or Crumpify or something, where they would re-sort the fast queue, and that would make it more amenable to LZ compression. And apparently, but then, obviously, the problem is that if you do these sort of approaches, you'll sort of, you'll introduce this weird sample bias into your reads, where for some weird reason, maybe all of those that start, like, A, like, with long poly-A's will suddenly all, they'll all be at the top. And then you'll maybe accidentally see, you know, start introducing some weird bias when you're doing your mapping.
0: Agree. I actually had a, a really um, weird effect of this one time because we simulated some reads in a recent experiment and we were trying to see what effect the level of ambiguities had on SNP calling. And so we introduced ends to our FASTQ file up to like 5,000 or something. And it turned out because the way the simulator works, art, we introduced all the ends of the beginning of the genome. <laughs> And there was definitely a weird subsampling bias. And so I think when you're doing things that depend on positions in your genome, you have to remember to, um, to even randomize them, just in case something like this happens. Yeah. Yeah, but true. So, but I mean, like by default,
1: it's, it is random as it comes off the sequencer, I suppose. So I can imagine someone naively just taking grabbing the first million lines, thinking they've got, like, 200-odd thousand reads that are random, and that's not, and that's yeah, you could get into a bit of trouble.
0: Absolutely, I actually had to spend a, a lot of time looking at the at the Illumina FastQ headers. Like, I don't think that those are immediately obvious until you start looking at Illumina documentation. But it's like it's extremely descriptive. It's like machine name, and it encodes the positional information and which channel it's on and which tile it's on and all this other stuff. So, um, I I kind of appreciate and kind of. Kind of even hate sometimes how complicated it is, but
1: um, but it's all up in in that header. But Lee, you remember one particular issue Illumina used to have with the uh, tiles? Yeah,
0: I guess the, that one tile or another might um, mess up, maybe it was a bubble, and it would just um, just give you really low quality in that area, and so you might have to um, correct the reads in that area, or you might have to filter filter out those reads in that tile.
1: So when you say bubble, you mean like literally an air bubble on the flow cell and because it's a camera taking a picture of something. I mean, we've all had that before where it just doesn't focus properly and it can't, it, can't, it doesn't. Exactly. Work. A literal bubble. Literal bubble. Like a, like a bug in a computer.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's kind of funny because uh, the, the word bug, I'm sure you already know this, comes from a moth in a in an
1: old computer. That was like the original story. Back when computers were made of vacuum <laughs> they were the size of, of a room. Yes, yeah, so I guess the, we have bubbles. I remember, uh, yeah, you can find it online where they actually stapled them off to the to the report. <laughs> this is the bug.
0: <laughs> yes, I yeah. bet you know the story better than me. So binning also occurs on some FASQ files, especially on the more modern machines like the um, NextSeq where they take the quality scores and they don't have a continuous zero through 40. They basically, I forgot what the increments are, but like they'll bend the quality scores. And so you can have, if you did like a histogram of your quality scores in the FASTQ files, it would be like, you would see three and six and nine, all the way up to like 37 and then 40. And I actually don't like that way. Like we, I felt like we got some some inconsistencies when we looked at it on the next Terra. So um, we try to
1: avoid that now. I forgot how the lab is avoiding that. I mean, the quality scores are already log scaled I mean, you're throwing a lot of information out.
0: Yes. You're
1: sort of saying that something within several orders of magnitude is in the same bucket. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. And
0: and we just try to avoid bending on quality scores at all costs. I guess I don't want to trash um, the companies that are doing that. So maybe we can move on from that topic, actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> talk about this. We can, we can talk about this publication. The publicate. So I think the if we're talking about fastq, nobody really wrote a, a specific. Like it was like invented. They just used it internally, and then everyone just wound up using it because that's what was there at uh, at Sanger. And then um. Then, so there's a paper that came out in 2010, nucleic acids research by Peter Koch and, and others, where they just they didn't. They, these guys had nothing to do with the with, with actually creating the format. They just were used to passing it so they wrote a spec sheet as a paper of what this actually of what fastq actually was oh wow and so a lot of people cite this publication for fastq because there's nothing else to go on <laughs> and i don't even remember the original person who came up with it
0: <laughs> i guess it's the stuff of legends at Sanger.
1: oh uh, uh, yeah from jim mullikin at the time when when uh the put out this publication they, com- they point out that there was no official description of what the format actually was. And the closest thing was what was on the BWA website. And that wasn't <laughs> very complete, which, which, you know, good. So they got this paper out that describes it. And that's yeah, important. It is important.
0: So now we've talked about like so many basics on here. Um, do you want to talk about like what tools you use for manipulating? like? I've been using my own for the longest time, and I, I don't know how I got so far without seeing that people are using just SAM tools or another thing called SeekTK, and, and I never got myself into SeekTK, for example. What what kind of, like, are, are your, like, essential, fundamental tools for man, manipulating FastQ files?
1: I usually write my own dirty scripts to work with it because I assumed it was just a four line format, so relatively easy to parse. You just look at it four lines at a time. But apparently you can get multi-line, you can get multiple lines. Like you can break the sequence of the quality scores up with line breaks. So then that's not gonna work. But they thought of that by having in the plus sign.
0: Yeah, so I when I do when I parse it with Perl, I, I literally start setting a variable for ID, then another variable for sequence, and then I literally have another variable called plus sign because I had no idea what that was for, and then I would never use it. And then another variable for the quality cigar string. And, and I suppose after talking with Andrew Page that the, the quality line, the, the plus sign was just to, um, to help parse it, that, and that was it. But um, I feel modern tools can just parse that without that extraneous line now. Like, we don't really need the plus line. At one point, actually, I noticed that when you get a FastQ file off of SAM tools, Maybe, maybe it doesn't happen anymore, but um, maybe several years ago, you would get a, a multi-line FastQ entry. And I complained about it on Biostars or something and Hang Lee himself came on there and he, and he said something like, I never said FastQ was a four-line entry format. And so I wrote a parser to, um, to change it to uh, a four-line um, entry thing. So I would, I would never have to worry about that in my code again. I would
1: always parse it with that script first. Just just to clean it up, just to make sure. So you basically just take out all the line breaks out of the sequences and, and compact it back down again.
0: What I think what I did was um, I read this the, the ID line, and then I would read this, and then you knew that ended with a new line, and then I would read the next line and count how many characters that was. So the DNA sequence is that many line, that many characters. Then read the plus line until. The new line character and then I would read the correct number of characters for the quality score Cause, yeah because they have
1: to be I don't, they have to be the same length. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And, and because it wasn't reading into like uh, into a line by line buffer it was it, it, the script was kind of slow so you didn't want to like always run that script but it, it was useful for cleaning it up and and I'm still frustrated by that comment from Hangley like I I never said it was a four line format.
1: No one ever said it was a four line thing. That's why the plus sign is there. <laughs> <laughs> Killed me. <laughs> but but that's what it is. I mean, we've talked about a lot of stuff that happened in the past with, with problems, but I'm running into new ones dealing with pack bio data and even some nanopore data which use friend and Code which still use the Fred encoding and they're still using Fred thirty three, which is fine. But the okay. all over the place. Often the pack bio ones are higher than what is possible with the, what, what programs are expecting and they just freak out they just say this is not valid.
0: <laughs> okay So you, you said it's um, Fred scores on those instead of like the plus
1: 33 It's just they keep going higher up so like a Fred score for 33 will stop at uh, ASCII 75 I think So Lumina goes up so most programs are expecting up to Q40 and then backbit shows gives you something back which is like Q50 or, or more or somewhere in the middle and then your program's like, I don't understand, (laughs) but a lot of programs are just hard-coded to expect up to Q40. I never understood, like, limiting yourself at 40, actually.
0: Like, what if you actually say that you are better than that? Then why can't you
1: say that? Well, I I mean, what you're saying is, if you're saying Q40, you're saying one error rate. That's the error rate? I mean, after that point, do you really care? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I actually, I appreciate it
0: because I like when they say there's like 1 in a million, and that way you can say, okay, there are very few errors in my 5 million base pair of genome. Okay, I'm sorry, but our time is up. Uh, Nabil, you made some really good points on there. We had some good conversation. Um, but I don't know if, like, we changed our point of view on different things, if we if we like Sanger versus uh, Fred scores versus um, any other encoding better or worse, but but hopefully we achieved our goal of of helping the listener learn a little bit, and I don't know like what you did, but I drank like three cups of coffee to get hyped up for this. What was your preparation ritual uh
1: just water just water if i mean if it, if I was on coffee this this you know would have been going a million miles a minute
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made like this huge uh French press this morning um and i my wife had like a cup of it, and then I think I had the remainder of this huge container. Uh yeah, and I feel a little jittery too. You didn't do anything, you did really well. You have good energy. Well anyway, we were just here to shoot the breeze and record some of our thoughts um in podcast format. We're we're testing that that out and I think we accomplished that. All right, well yeah I'm
1: the BL ECON.
0: And I'm Lee Katz. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and like us on iTunes or Google Play. And if you don't like the podcast, please don't do anything. This podcast was recorded by the Microbial Bioinformatics Group. The opinions expressed here are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of CDC or the Quadrum Institute.